This is Chapter 174 of WCBS Author Talks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS 80 Books. I'm Lisa Cherenkovich. Coming up, a love story that transcends space and time from Madeline Henry. Plus, a book for all the single ladies from viral author Melissa Croce. Traditional romance books are all feelings and emotions without a lot of room for rational thought and scientific theory. But it turns out the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. Author Madeline Henry weaves heart and mind with a splash of time theory into her new book, The Love Proof. She explains why she thinks great love can open us up to all the wonders of the universe. Well, I think that there is something about outer space space and time, theories about the cosmos that inspire awe and make us feel small in a really romantic and mystical way. And I think that I wanted to pair that with a really great love because I think that the love in this story, it's also enormous and mystical and romantic. And I think that putting them together, it brings out that same quality. So time, both the the study of it, the passing of it is essential to your story How much time theory, specifically block theory, which you do get into in this book, did you have to cram about in order to write about it? (laughs) Um, I did a lot of learning, but it was a labor of love. I just, I'm fascinated by space and time. I'm fascinated by different theories of reality that don't necessarily match with how we experience the day to day. And so I loved it. But yes, it was, it was a lot of work. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit more about your love story? So this is a love story that takes place over a lifetime. And the woman at the center of the story is a brilliant physicist, and she attempts to prove that the ones we love are always connected to us. And so through her quest to prove this, you're learning through her eyes about space and time theory, uh, other planets, etc., And it's really, though, her quest to understand her connection to another person that's driving her research. I want to take a quick pause. I know I mentioned block theory, which I totally was unaware of until I picked up your book. Can you give us just a quick, easy definition of what that is? Sure. So this is a really fascinating theory that's real and it's out there. And it might explain uh, how the universe is constructed. So block theory is the theory of time that the past, present, and future all exist simultaneously. So although we experience moving forward in time in a linear way, maybe the world is constructed so that all moments exist at once. And it, you can imagine them in a block, a rectangular block, every moment of your life, birth, your happiest moments, your worst moments, all existing at once. And the main character in my story, she gets very intrigued by this theory because it might have something important to do with why she still feels connected to this man uh, who is pivotal in her life. And I think this is such a romantic idea of a true and deep love driving her research. I found it on one level to be kind of sad, too, because she gets stuck, I guess we could say, because of this Mm. because of this love and this this loss of this love. And and this is what drives her to do all this research to try to figure it out. But I, I, I really felt 
for her because she it seemed like she couldn't move on. Yeah, and I think that, frankly, that is a really realistic depiction of grief. I think that um, there is another side to love, and that is loss. And I think that for people who have lost someone important to them, the experience of time standing still, the experience of your own personal timeline not matching the flow of everyone else's time, I think that's a very real thing. It's a real experience. Uh, I think it's important to talk about. You know, it's uh, not all love stories are full of happy moments from beginning to end. And so it's a very complex relationship. I don't think that ultimately it is sad. I think that like life, you have a decision in your own perspective, and you can choose if it's a happy or a sad story. But ultimately, it is complex, and it does involve some grief. Like your previous book, Breathing Cash Out, there, you know, there's this quest for success. There's this drive mm-hmm. to to be to live up to your potential. And after reading the Love Proof, I was curious. Do you think? great success and love are mutually exclusive, especially for women? Wow. I mean, isn't that an important question? Um, I'm so excited that this book is inspiring that question and for people to discuss what their solutions are to what many people view as a common problem, because it does seem that career and family, they do cause friction at times for women. And I think that it's so important for women to talk about this because it's such a common issue. And in this book, I have one woman's very emotional answer to that question. And I don't presume to have the answers, but I think it's so important to talk about. And, you know, the roles of women are constantly shifting, especially now in the pandemic where um, people are at home. And of course, the the non-paid labor tends to fall on women and women are more involved in uh, more of the housework just uh, conventionally. So it's, a, it's an important topic to discuss, but I don't have the answer. So what you basically have done is set up your own scientific theory or problem set that we have to go and figure out for ourselves, haven't you? Yeah. And I think that it's not often that you find a really romantic story that's also incredibly intellectually stimulating. And so I filled this story with theories of time, with facts about the cosmos, with uh, things that will really make you think. And I think that that is a really rare combination for a very emotional story. So I'm excited uh, to share it. The idea of first love, true love, and soulmates also play into your story. Is that something you believe in? I do believe in soulmates. And I have, this is my own personal belief, but I think that there is a soulmate for everyone and there is also a life partner for everyone. And I don't think that they're necessarily the same person. And I know that that's a book, a theory in one of my other favorite books, The Light We Lost by Jill Santopolo, where this main character really struggles with, okay, I had this very intense connection with one man, but it actually makes more sense for me to build my life with another man. And so that's my personal belief is that you have different responses to different people and the person who the strongest, most intense 
soulmate resonance with is not necessarily your life partner. That's my own personal belief. I think you're going to have a lot of readers putting this book down when they're through with it and just kind of sitting there and thinking to themselves about their own lives, but also whether everything that they thought they knew is actually the opposite. Well, isn't that exciting? I think that inspiring curiosity for reality is is a good thing. Um, we're all in reality. <laughs> we, it's nice to understand it. And uh, the questions that come out of this book are just so rich with ideas and thought-provoking. And I'm really excited for all the discussions to come out of this book. I know that I don't think I will ever experience deja vu the same way again now without thinking of block theory <laughs> and that I've probably already lived it. That's why I'm thinking that's why it feels like it's happening again. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting to see Sophie's response to this romance, which is scientific because that's the tool that she was given as a physics prodigy. So Sophie, she learns faster, develops faster, has a mind beyond the computational capacity of a normal person. And when she has this very deep romantic experience, she turns to her brain to try and understand it. And so it's fascinating to see her go through this research journey at her level of following this very emotional emotional experience in her youth. And that's different, too, because I think a lot of people write off really smart people as incapable of having those types of emotions because they are so rational. Exactly. And that's why I loved writing about her, because she is this rare contrast of deep heart and very advanced mind. And so she's very likable because she is so kind and emotionally sensitive and emotionally in tune. And yet she has the capacity to do math, to learn languages, to understand the universe beyond what most people can. And to have that combination, it's really fascinating to me. And so I was able to spend a lot of time developing her. And it was it's quite a challenge to write about someone who is exponentially smarter than you are. But that's what makes it so fun is and it's engaging. So I was really wrapped up in her character. Would you say you're smarter now at the end of the book than you were when you first started writing it? Absolutely. And so what I hope that people take away from this book is primarily the experience of being moved, uh, because that is so much of this character's story is she was given the choice to use her intellect to advance mankind, to answer the biggest questions of reality or to enjoy the day-to-day -day life with the ones she loves. And she comes to a decision um, that has to do with the power of connection and emotion and being there for the ones we love. And I hope that ultimately what people take away is that emotional response to her, not the intellectual, but just the power of connection and the meaning that uh, others play in our own lives more than um, intellectual achievement. Well, if people want to read more, they can pick up The Love Proof. Madeline Henry, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I always feel I come out of these conversations smarter after talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That is such a compliment. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Good luck with the book and everything else. Okay. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's a real, real, I'm um, very grateful that you have me on your show. So thank you.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's a fun fact. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, some 45% of American adults identify as single. Now, before you go and start pitying them this Valentine's Day, have you ever stopped to think they might be happy? Yes, really. Melissa Croce knows what I'm talking about. She's the author of Single and Forced to Mingle, a guide for nearly any socially awkward situation. So let's say right off the bat that this is a tongue-in-cheek advice book for singles, broken down into sections mm-hmm. covering things like things every single person needs to patron saints of singledom. You have to tell me what led you to write it. <laughs> well, it's a funny story. Um It actually came about because of a tweet that I posted that went viral. Um, I was going to a wedding and I was commiserating with some of my coworkers about all the questions that I was going to receive, you know, well-meaning ones from family and friends about being single, about living in New York, all these things. And so I was like, I should just make a brochure, hand it out with all the questions I know I'm going to be asked repeatedly, you know, and just go like post up to the bar. Um, so I ended up actually making the brochure just for fun. And I put it, you know, on my Instagram and Twitter, you know, I was like, ha ha for the 10 people who, you know, I was talking with, here's a fun little inside joke for us that I continued. Um, but then the brochure kind of went viral. It kind of blew up and a lot more people than those 10 people really responded to it, which led to, um, getting some media attention from places like Buzzfeed and Refinery29 and, you know, eventually Good Morning America And that kind of culminating into, you know, being approached to expand upon the brochure and turn it into a book. So that's how it came about. Now, the book is packed full of things that people who are happy being single can kind of point to to the doubters out there. And I'm sure even as we're talking right now, there are people listening who are probably thinking, there's no way she's really happy being single. (laughs) Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. There, there's definitely a lot of doubt. And I, when I wrote that in the intro, I sort of acknowledged that. I was like, I'm sure you're thinking like, you know, you're trying too hard. You're protesting too much. You can't genuinely be serious. But I, you know, I am. I am um, very happy being single. And I know, you know, a lot of people are as well. That's definitely evident, even by the comments that I got. You know, from from the brochure that I just mentioned, um, you know, people being like, yeah, my mom doesn't get it. Like they don't understand why I could be happy single or for people who, you know, identify as aromantic or asexual or just like, this is, you know, my preference forever really is to not be in a, a romantic or sexual relationship. So yeah, I think a lot of people really don't, you know, understand that people can be happy making different life choices than they do. Why do you think it's so tough for society and for all the Aunt Carols out there and all the moms out Mm -hmm. there to accept that there's a large group of us? And I do consider myself part of this group of people who are totally happy and content being on my own. We we really are okay, and we aren't looking for somebody else at the moment or even ever. Right. You know, I think I was thinking about that, and I think 
a large part of it is because, you know, we're kind of going against a, an ingrained way of thinking over, you know, hundreds of years, if you think about it, like being married has always been sort of the backbone of many institutions, many cultures, um, for various reasons, mainly financial, I feel like for women in particular. But if you think about it, if you're just speaking about, you know, women, um, it's only within like the last 60, 70 years that we've really achieved, you know, the ability to lead independent lives where marriage becomes a choice and not necessarily a necessity. And I think that's not a mentality that, that you can easily let go of, I feel like. And, you know, I think there, there definitely, you know, when I wrote this book, it definitely, I didn't want to be anti-relationship. I'm not saying that if you're in a relationship, you know, if they're bad or, you know, you're, un, you're unhappy or you're happier being single. I'm just saying that it's possible to be single and be happy. You don't have to be in a relationship to be happy. So I think there's just a lot of generational cultural thoughts that people have a hard time letting go of. I'm glad it's no longer socially acceptable to call women spinsters anymore. Yeah. I mean, God, what an unpleasant word, if you think about it, especially compared to like the word bachelor. You know what I mean? Like that sounds so sophisticated. And that was okay Um, too. You know, men who chose not to marry for the longest time, it was considered all right. And they were considered a catch no matter what age they were. Absolutely. You know, so there's that fun double standard. So I do think that some attitudes are are definitely changing for sure. And I think people who are considered to be like millennials are getting married older, if at all. So I think we definitely see ways in which cultural and societal attitudes are changing. But I definitely think for perhaps people who are in older generations, um, they're, they're a little more traditional in their ways of thinking for sure. The book's been out for a little while. What has reader reaction been like? Oh, I think it's been largely positive. I was just on Twitter the other day and I believe a young woman uh, mentioned me and she was like, my mom just got me this book. I wonder, you know, what is she trying to tell me? And I was like, I'm biased, but like hopefully only good things. Um, And she was like, I'm really enjoying the book. Like, I think it's really funny and speaks to me. Um, I got a review actually from from a mom who said that she and her daughter, who I believe she said was in her early 20s, read this together. And there was something that, you know, there were different parts that resonated with either each of them individually or both of them. Um, I've also received, you know, Twitter feedback from a woman who who told me that she was, um, you know, in her late 60s and she's, you know, been single for a long time and, and she loves it. So it's been really great, actually, to to hear from these readers of different ages, of different, you know, life experiences who are resonating with the book and its messaging in different ways. You know, I, I would have thought that the book was really for people who identify as single and kind of want to point to the book to be like, this justifies the way I'm living my life. But it sounds like, you know, there's also an audience out there for maybe people who want to understand the person in their life who's perpetually single by choice. Absolutely. I definitely think there is um, some elements of that. I would love the Aunt Carols of the world to read this book for sure. Um, I think there are also, if I remember, there's a section in there about like, um, etiquette at a wedding. And that part is definitely for the eight carols of the world. So for instance, uh, a couple of things in there are just like, you know, don't pester the people who are getting married, the brides, the grooms, whomever, 
you know, when they're having kids or like don't pester people who are in relationships and be like, when are you getting married? So at the end of the day, this book is really about advocating for choice and letting people do what they want on their own time, whether they're in a relationship, whether they're single, whether they're married, but childless, um, et cetera. With COVID and with lockdowns, I think there are a lot of people who are single not by choice just because they couldn't go out and meet Mm -hmm. people. How did you handle all that? Did you find it easier since you didn't have that pressure on yourself? Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to, um, you know, people don't have to like wonder or ask why I'm, I'm single. You know, the pandemic sort of takes takes that pressure off. Although, you know, I definitely do have friends who are dating right now. I mean, they're trying to do it safely and mostly online, but it definitely has not stopped people, which, you know, like, good for you. If you're able to do it as safely as you possibly can, I mean, go for it. But for me, I'm going to continue to use it as an excuse to not even try to date. (laughs) I'm with you. Uh, I loved your section, though, on online dating and the questions we should be asking in online profiles, <laughs> because having gone through it a couple of times, I laughed out loud at that section riding on the subway just because it hits so close to home, specifically the question about, are you OK if I'm in bed before 930 every night? Yeah, these are these are questions that people need to know. Um, I saw one Twitter exchange or a man was talking about his second date with his partner and he was like that's how I knew it was love like you wanted to go to this club that didn't open until like 11 p.m and I would never do it again or for anyone else <laughs> I was like these are important things to know, <laughs> for sure so do you think you'll ever change your mind about being single you know I've been definitely in long-term relationships before and I did enjoy them but you know I I liked them a lot and I liked you know, when you find someone who you have a connection with, I think, you know, I'm not going to, I wouldn't pass that up, but I don't think it's like a huge priority in my life. It's not something that I'm proactive about. Like if I meet somebody, I meet them. Um, I'm kind of more of the mind frame where it's like, you know, there are some people who, again, like see single as sort of like a consolation prize and they're, you know, searching for the one I'm kind of like, you know, being single is great. Um, and if I find somebody who sort of tempts me out of my single gum, then, you know, that's fine, too. I'm open to it, but it's not at the moment. It's not like important to me right now. You know what the analogy I always use with the family members who are always worried about me being alone? I always mm-hmm. tell them, I've got myself the ice cream sundae, the hot fudge, the whipped cream. If somebody comes along, that would just be the cherry on top. But in the meantime, I still have an ice cream sundae that I'm really going to enjoy. Oh, that is a fantastic analogy. I love that. That is, that's so true. And, and kind of like translating it more into being more literal, like, you know, if there's something that you want, and it's considered more traditional for a partner to get to you, give it to you, for instance, like, I love getting flowers, I just go buy myself the flowers. I know exactly what kind of flowers I like, you know, I can get them whenever I want. Um, So yeah, I don't, I don't think you need to wait for a partner to to give you a lot of those things in life. Even when I've been um, doing conducting other interviews for this book, you know, I've, I've noticed recently I've had a couple questions from people. You know, they were very well-meaning questions, but sort of implying like, you know, aren't there certain dynamics or certain things that you're missing from your life because you don't have a partner? And I was thinking about those questions, you know, after everything wrapped up and it's like, I mean, that's certainly true, but I think people also don't take enough stock into like what platonic friendships can give you, you know, that dynamic and that support and that intimacy in your life. So 
you know, I hope that's also something people walk away from if they read this book about the importance of all of the other relationships in your life. You don't need to get emotional support just from your romantic partner. And having that relationship with yourself as well and being comfortable with who you are and how you're living is just as important as any sort of romantic partner relationship you could find. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, I hope that people who are single, you know, take this time to also, you can also use this time to think about, you know, when you do get into a relationship, like, what do you want out of that relationship at the end of the day? What do you want it to look like? I think people are, some people are, you know, especially just so wrapped up in the status of having a relationship and, you know, how it looks on social media or whatever, that maybe they don't take the time to consider, you know, how they want that relationship to function. So that's definitely something that I think about. If and when I want to be in a relationship one day and I start to proactively put myself out there, you know, what do I want out of that? What do I want out of um, my partner? I think that's really important. And And you don't know those things until you know yourself. Hopefully we've enticed some people to think about singledom in a different way, as well as be totally comfortable with the choices that they've made in their life. We've been talking with Melissa Croce. The new book is Single and Forced to Mingle, a guide for nearly any socially awkward situation. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. And that's where we close the book on this chapter. Next time, we celebrate Black History Month with a woman who's made it her mission to publish stories featuring Black children and their families. Until then, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS 880 Books. I'm Lisa Chernkovich.